seen You're at right. Auburn basketball so far this year. We saw them put away a a legitimate high major uh, power five team, a conference team, and they did it on the road. And it was a dominant, I'd say, 32-ish minutes of basketball last night. You had a little stretch there at the start of the second half and the first half, really, where Auburn didn't get out to a great start, but, man, they put them away after that. I'll be honest with you. I... I Kind of chalked that up to you have an LSU team that in the first half shot just 25.9% uh, from the field. But in the second half, I think they started like 6 of 9. They're red hot to open the half. They go on 11 to 2 run in the first four minutes of the second half. But you know what? What said a lot to me, because Auburn took that 11-point lead to half, then they had the 11-2 run to cut it to 2. Auburn then responds with a 16-5 run of their own. And that was the moment where, I mean, they absorbed the run by LSU. Uh, LSU gave them their best shot, gave them their their best punch, and Auburn just kind of absorbed it and said, you know what, we've had enough of you, we're going to put you away. And it said a lot to me to watch Auburn um, separate the way that they did. And uh, I was impressed. I really was. Especially a shorthanded Auburn team that's still without Chris Moore. Yeah, definitely. And I thought you got a good performance last night from from Alan Flanagan. Uh, did foul out of the game, but only had one turnover after, what was it, seven at home uh, against Mississippi State last week. Uh, so that was good to see. Another good thing to see, Wendell Green, four assists, no turnovers from your starting point guard. Really good by Wendell Green on the road. Uh, I thought Jalen Williams showed up again. Interesting point that we'll talk about, I'm sure, today, but Janai Broom doesn't really show up again in the scoring column. Does have six rebounds, but you know, you'd like for that to you'd like for that point scoring to come up a little bit for you. Yeah, but. yeah, but I think when you get the production that you get out of some other guys, I think it was pretty um it wasn't the end all be all, and I think Auburn played a very, very strong game, especially on the defensive end. If you want to join us uh and give your thoughts on the Auburn game Join us on the Kia of Auburn uh, Drive Hotline, Kia of Auburn on South College, and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one, 334-321-1390 if you want to call into the show. And also, Jack, the, uh, the, the text box, the text box. Yes, so uh, you, you've got daily podcast sponsorship. Uh, daily podcasts of the drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, an Alabama-based firm now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Uh, if you'd like to text a question or comment to us, you can hit us up on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors by texting 334-564-1840. That's 334-564-1840. Something that, uh, Jack, that Jacob and I talked about on On the Line today, and I think we're starting to see it, and something I want to I highlight here in this first segment talking about Auburn basketball what Jalen Williams is starting to do here over the last couple games, I think you've got a guy who's starting to realize just how special he is as a player. I agree with that. Uh, the first half was not necessarily um, anything to write home about. Five points, two of seven from the field, one of three from three, uh, four boards, a couple assists, and a turnover. But the second half, you saw him kind of settle into a rhythm. At one point, he scores nine straight Auburn points. 
Uh, and he finishes this game with 14 points. That gives him 35 over the last two games. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of sophomore year Chuma Okiki. Uh, kind of in the back half of SEC play, you saw him start to realize, hey, I've been good. I've been good, but there's another gear. There's another gear here uh, and start to maybe look for his shot a little bit more. Start to um, be a little bit more selfish with the basketball. And I think that that's a good thing because if you're asking me, I think the best player on this Auburn team is Jalen Williams. I think he has the highest ceiling of anybody on this roster. And the more that he starts to look for his own opportunities, the better. It also reminds me of... Of a li- I'm not saying that it's the ceiling. It has the same ceiling of Chuma Okiki uh, in that sophomore season of his or the, uh, the the Final Four run, really. I think there's a feel or to the, it. Yeah, I think there's a the similar feel to Isaac that. Isaac Okoro the next year because Isaac was an unbelievable defensive player. Great athlete. We knew that. We always knew that. But as we saw him develop and start to really get a feel, both of those guys started to click that, hey, every time I go out on the court, I'm the best player out there. I'm the best athlete on the court. I need to look for my own opportunities more and more. You started to see that out of Isaac in the second half of SEC play, uh, the year that got uh, cut short by by the pandemic. But I think there's a little bit of that feel. I don't think Jalen Williams necessarily has the ceiling of Chuma Okiki. I don't think he has the ceiling of Isaac Okoro. But I do think he has the ability to turn into the go-to guy for this Auburn team. Yeah, that sophomore year for Chuma, he really came alive during that Ole Miss game that Auburn actually ended up losing that year. But you kind of saw him start to break out when he would take it, when he would be more assertive with the basketball. He'd go inside. He'd, he'd, like, he had a spin move in that game that just got everybody on their feet. Um, Jalen Williams, kind of the same way. Since that game at Ole Miss where he – or I'm sorry, the Arkansas game where he put up nine points but only grabbed one rebound, comes back out with a 12-point performance – Point scoring goes up, rebounding goes up. The last three games, he's averaging almost 16 points a game uh, and almost six rebounds a game. So he's starting to assert himself. And I think another another statistic you can look at, I guess, that illustrates that point. Last two games, those are his two highest volume in shooting the past, whatever it is, I guess since last season. 15 shot attempts versus Mississippi State, 13 versus LSU. He's taken seven and four three-pointers. I believe those are two of his higher totals. He has taken six in a game. This was earlier against Northwestern, but he is starting to not just make the, but shoot it more, and I think that that's a good thing for Auburn, is getting Jalen Williams comfortable with the shot. If he can knock it down like he has been this season, I mean, he's shooting 40% from beyond three-point line. Like, that's that's insane for a stretch four. You want to, I mean, he's shooting 44% against SEC teams. so in conference play, he's been your best three-point shooter. He would have that's a number that would have put him as the best three-point shooter on last year's team. Right. He's been pretty uh efficient for the most part. Uh he's 47% in conference play for the season, about 48%. Um but I'm encouraged by by the way that he's starting to play on the offensive end. Uh I think you and I were very critical of him in that Ar- in that Arkansas game on after the game. When he went and got nine points, but he only got one rebound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had another game maybe a week before that where he was one of nine from the field. And it was a game that you're not used to seeing out of Jalen Williams. Well, that was the Georgia game. And mm-hmm. that's kind of when you saw this season start to, or at least this SEC season, start to kind of turn on the dime. Because that second half, Auburn kind of comes out and they look 
They look a little rough in the first half. They come out. They look better in the second half, but they let it get away from them and they're late. But then against Arkansas, they turn it up a notch. And, and since then, nothing has really been particularly difficult for this team. Maybe the Mississippi State game where, you know, you and I talked about that on after the game. You give up a few more threes and you're looking, you're looking kind of dicey there. But, I mean, since then, you know, that's a dominant win last night over an LSU team that, yes, has had – their struggles, and yes, they're probably not going to be towards the top this year in anything, but I mean, they mm-hmm. they beat Arkansas, they went in and competed with Kentucky, who's starting to look better. So, you know, you're thinking that maybe a, whole, a road SEC win against a team like that, it's at least something you can continue to build off of, because that's a dominant win. Yeah, and, and there was the run that he had, uh, that Jalen Williams had in the second half of this game, I feel like we might look back at the end of the year and be like, okay, that is the... It started against Mississippi State when he went off for 21 points. His minutes were limited by foul trouble in that game too, which which you wonder what he could have done in in a full uh, full game without without having to go to the bench. Um, but I think this run in the in the LSU game is going to be something that Auburn as a team will pull from as the season progresses. But I mean, you have LSU go on a little. Uh, kind of mini run and cut it to 12. Then you have Jalen Williams just by himself in a row, layup and one free throw. Then you see layup, jumper, LSU gets a bucket the other way. Then he hits another jumper for nine straight points and stretches that Auburn lead out to 19. And that was kind of all she wrote for the rest of the game. It was that individual effort by him that I think was the nail in the coffin for LSU and really put this game just to bed. And you never really saw them... Uh, back in the same kind of contention. They weren't able to put together a run. It kind of took the crowd out of it because when the game was 34-32, LSU's crowd was in it. And and it felt like some stretches where we've seen Auburn kind of come apart. And uh, even last year, you you saw Auburn give up some runs and give up some losses uh, because of... They kind of got out over their skis. To an extent, you saw it against Mississippi State on Saturday late in the game where Auburn got out of sorts and State went on a run and made that game a lot closer than it should have been. But the fact that Auburn, with production from up and down the lineup, was able to put LSU away in this manner told me so much about what this team can be and the way that they're playing defense right now. Because LSU was a is a pretty good three-point shooting team. They're, I think, 34.9% on the year coming into the game. Uh, and after the game, they're now at 34.1%. So you drop them almost a complete percentage point because you hold them 4, four of 20 from, from 3. This was an impressive performance by Auburn on the defensive end. And it may not have been the the most impressive, flashiest performance on the offensive end, especially when you don't get a ton out of Jani Broom. But when you've got five guys scoring eight or more points, especially a guy like Katie Johnson that's been struggling, it was a better night for him offensively. Still, I mean, I like that he was going to the rim a little bit more. He got to the free throw line, hit both his free throws. But the fact that you're seeing other guys step up, like Lior Berman. Yes. yes. Lior Berman. That's, what, that's where I was going next. I mean, you talk about the emergence of a player that if Auburn can get some production out of him, I mean that changes the entire that changes the lineup. With with Chris Moore back, if he can give you a solid six minutes, I was just, I was I was just give him at least ten. Yeah. Give him ten minutes. That way you keep Allen and Chris a little fresher. I think that 
maybe that was a little bit of your issue on Saturday where Alan Flanagan had seven turnovers because I think that he may have been putting pressure on himself to go out and produce even more because Chris Moore's not there. He's having to eat up more minutes. He's having to eat up some of that production. Um, And I think with Alan Flanagan maybe taking the pressure off him Less is more because then he's more efficient. Eight points on six shots, two of three from three. You'll take that every day. Seven rebounds, one turnover. It may not be the best, the flashiest stat line we've seen, but it's one of his better performances on the road in an Auburn uniform. This feels a little bit like, if you'll recall, that Final Four year. And I'm not, I don't want to compare this team to that Final Four team, I guess, by personnel necessarily. But I mean, you look at what they've done. Final Four teams started off the year with a 15-point loss on the road to Ole Miss. They come back, they rattle off three straight. They have some bumpy, they have a little bit of a there bumpy road There will be a bumpy stretch end. that Auburn yeah. runs into because this schedule's about to get a heck of a lot harder. Exactly. And so I think that you're going to see that. But, you know, you end the year with a couple of games against teams like Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama. You're playing Alabama twice. You're playing Tennessee twice. So you've got the opportunity there for a couple of really nice quad wins down the stretch, something that that Final Four team did as well. You've got an undersized guard that's starting to play really, really well. You've got a stretch four, three man that's starting to emerge after so much potential has been put into him. You've got a guy who you know can rebound really well underneath, but maybe hadn't put it all together yet. Mm -hmm. Janai Broom, I'm kind of comparing him to an Austin Wiley that year um broom more in a starter role yeah but still there's a lot of different comparisons that i'm kind of looking at on this team and saying that's that's reminiscent of that final four team can they get hot down the yeah. stretch can they get hot that's gonna be the big question yeah i i want to continue this conversation uh but we need to hit our first break of our number one feel free to call in with your thoughts on the kia of auburn hotline 334-321-1390 when we come back we're going to continue this conversation about this auburn team can they put it together can they continue to be hot we, we, we will be right back here on the drive Research shows listeners prefer a personalized experience. So to help you remember, Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance. We personalize this ad for Amber, who really misses boy bands from the 90s. Hey, girl. (laughs) I'm the cute one. Here to tell you how Liberty Mutual customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. I'm the heartthrob. The only thing I love more than you is saving. And I'm the other boy in the band everyone forgot about. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Smooth skin begins with hydrating ingredients. Olay Hyaluronic Body Lotion nourishes your skin with all-day hydration for deeply moisturized results that give you confidence like buttery soft shoulders like and visibly smooth skin like. Quench your skin with nourishing moisture from Olay Hyaluronic Body Lotion. Try Olay Hyaluronic Body Wash too and get skin your face will envy. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of The Drive here in the Auburn Network studio. Uh, we're talking some Auburn basketball. Feel free to call in with your thoughts, your questions, uh, any any insights you have on this Auburn LSU game last night on the key of Auburn Hotline, 334-321-1390. Jack, when we left it off, 
we were talking about the pieces on this Auburn team and how it feels like they're starting to come together and they might turn into something more than we really believed. I mean, after the Georgia game, I was very critical of this team. I'll be, I'll hand up. I'll yeah. be honest. I I questioned whether this team, with the way that we had seen them play, because yes, they'd gotten wins in non-conference play, but they hadn't been pretty. They had not shot the ball well. Uh, they didn't look good against Florida. They they got that win, thankfully, uh, and then they lose at Georgia, a team that we maybe didn't expect to be as good as they've been so far in conference play. I was wondering if this Auburn team could get to nine and nine. Since then, four game winning streak. Putting some stuff together. It is the easier stretch of the Auburn SEC schedule. I like what this team is starting to look like. Definitely. And you were, you were talking about the pieces. I mean, let's as we look forward at this schedule, as they go on the road and take uh, take on a really abysmal South Carolina team. They get, you know, they get a home game in Columbia, essentially. Yes, because I mean, uh, I mean, they have not defended their home court in conference play at all. They lost. Uh, how much did they lose by to to Ole Miss at home the other night? They lost by twelve. Yeah. at home to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss had not gotten a conference win before that game. They were zero five over. or zero four, maybe. Their last three home games, they have they lost zero five. Actually, they've lost by a total of a hundred more than a hundred points. Their last three home games. Think wow. about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they, they lost by insane. what forty three to to. Uh, Tennessee before going on the road and upsetting Kentucky, which was the most confusing thing I've seen all season. Yep. And then they came back home and lost by, what, 41 to A&M? That was it. This, this I don't think that's quite 100, but... 43, four, well, 43, 41, and then 12. The, the last three games. Yeah, I think that's not, that's 97. 43, 41, 4, or it's 8, 96, 4. Not, it's oh, 96. that's 96. Shoot, <laughs> dadgummit. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you should feel confident that this... That this Auburn team can go handle business in Columbia at South Carolina, but this stretch right now, you then you come back home, you take on A and M, then you got a road trip to West Virginia that looks a little more di- more difficult. After West Virginia gets a big upset win over uh, TCU, a ranked TCU team for West Virginia's first win of conference, did play. not see that one coming at all. You know, I like I thought this West Virginia team was a competitive team, I and think I they'd just win think that. One. that like they they were hanging around twenty five in the Ken Palm, despite losing all those games. So I think getting that win is huge for them, huge for their momentum. Um, but it could make that game in West Virginia a little more interesting. What do we see here in the immediate future? These next three games, how do we see them playing out for this Auburn team? But the way that they're playing now, yeah, I don't think three and zero is off the table. I think you go to South Carolina, that's going to be a game you expect to win, especially if you play like you did um, on the road last night, as well as a couple of weeks ago against Ole Miss. I thought Auburn played well enough in that game to win by more than nine. Um, so I think if you go to Columbia and you do what you have been doing on the road, I think I think you can get a win there. Obviously, Texas A&M, that's in Neville Arena. Thought they were better than they've shown to be now. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sold on Texas A&M they're, yet. They're 5-0, and oh, so, it's, so it's really difficult to say that. Yes. Florida goes, and we said this during the break, Florida goes 2 of 26 to start last night's game and almost win the darn thing in College Station. A&M had a 23-12 to 12 yeah. halftime lead. Yes. 12. <laughs> yeah, 12. What's the, I think that's one of it the was, lowest point totals. One of the worst first halves of basketball I've ever seen. I think there were the score was twelve to six, eleven minutes and forty seconds into the game, um, and 
to be honest, that, that the Missouri Arkansas game wasn't much better. Uh, just over ten and a half minutes uh, into the game, I think the score of that one was twelve to eight. Yeah. So it was a slow start there. Then they kind of got on a ferocious pace and ended up with a seventy nine seventy six game. But I feel a lot better having watched A and M last night. Nothing about them really impresses me. They, I look at the way that they struggled offensively against Florida. Um, yes, they beat up on South Carolina. Yes, they beat up on Missouri. But I don't think either of those teams are that good. I don't think Missouri's that good. I know they beat Arkansas, but I think that's more that says more about what Arkansas is than what Missouri is to me. I think. Arkansas has a little bit of what Kentucky had to start the SEC season, and I think that they're just continuing to have it as we get deeper into I it. I just think that they're overrated. I think I think that I still think they're a we, good club, though. We had a mental picture of what Arkansas was with when the SEC play started, when we when the season started with Brazil, who tore his ACL and is mm-hmm. gone for the rest of the year, with Nick Smith Jr who got banged up immediately in conference play and is out in L.A. rehabbing with Clutch Sports, LeBron's agency, because they wanted to oversee his rehab. I'm not sure you're going to see him back in a uniform because I've seen him projected as high as the number three pick. We uh, we had Gary Parrish on the show on Tuesday, and he said he thinks he's the number three pick in the draft. Yeah, He's not going to crack the top two. No. Those two are set. No, it's, you're going to have Wimbanyama and Scoot. And Scoot, exactly. Those two are set. So if you're Nick Smith Jr. and this Arkansas season is somewhat cratering, what incentive is there to come back and potentially get hurt and affect your draft status? I think the only incentive there would be if if he does want to come back if the Hogs get hot. Because I think there's a path to the NCAA tournament still for them if they can get hot down the stretch, win some games, go on a run in the SEC tournament like we saw Texas A&M do last year. This time, actually get into the tournament. Still think that was a huge snub that Texas A&M did not get in last year. Wanted to touch on really quickly. We were talking about the West Virginia game as well because that's going to be after that A&M game. Yes, West Virginia. They've only got one win in Big Twelve play, but that net that net ranking is at twenty fourth in the country. Twenty third so, is what or in, in, in Kimpom. In the Kimpom, there you go. So I'm looking at so I'm looking at just not just their record, but their resume overall. I mean, you know, a big win over TCU. I could see that being difficult for Auburn. I think looking oh, at it, that, it I could see... it will. It's going to be a tough place for Auburn to go and win a game. I could see West Virginia. I could see the crowd getting into it up there, and I could see Auburn uh, keeping Huggy that Bear one loves tight. loves to press, too, yep. and at times Auburn has struggled getting the ball across half-court. Getting it in bounds, even, yeah. with, a sp- with a press in the backcourt. So, you know, I, I could see be, Auburn... That's going to be a really tough test for Auburn. I think they're every bit capable of going to West Virginia and getting that win, but it's going to be difficult. And it's going to be a grinded-out game, in my mind. I think the next four games for Auburn, if you look at at South Carolina, Texas A&M at home, at West Virginia, and then Georgia at home, I think 3-1 and one is really good. Because I think, I think I you think can go 3-0 in conference. I have conference. the expectation that you win those three conference games. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think Auburn has a chance at 4-0. If you come out 4-0 in that stretch, and you're sitting there at 19-3, and and all of a sudden you're sitting at 8-1, and you're a top, play? You're a top three seed in bracketology. We are we are having a legitimate that. discussion about Auburn finishing second in the SEC, and if they jump up and get Alabama, they just get them. And it's at Neville. Well, there's you. Oh, you, you play in yeah. both. You play Alabama in both. You play Tennessee in both. So if you hold serve at home, you're going to be in the conversation. You only you only need a 
a slip up or two out of those teams to be in the conversation to win the SEC. Do I think this team is as good as Alabama? No. I do not. I simply just, I, I don't see it. I don't see it right now. No, I don't either. But I do think that there's something to be said about the game that's going to be in Neville against them. So if you run through those four that we talked about, let's say Auburn does, you know, let's say they do go up to West Virginia and win that one. Okay, you're 4-0, so you're 19-3 and and what, you're 8-1 and in the conference. You get at Tennessee next and at Texas A&M. That's tough. Let's say, if you can get to 1-1 one one in that, let's say if you can somehow win one of those, you're coming back against Alabama, a twenty-one, a twenty-win team on the season. You might have College Game Day coming to the plains for that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that this season could go a lot better than anyone imagined uh, as as recently as two weeks ago. I think that Auburn has a chance to to do a lot uh, and get that double buy in the SC tournament and potentially get a pretty high SC, uh, NCAA tournament seed. Yeah. Uh, we're going to head to our second break here of the drive. When we come back, we will look kind of around what happened in the SEC this week in basketball and uh, what happened around the country last night. So don't miss that. Come back with us here on The Drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of The Drive. A reminder that this hour of The Drive is sponsored by Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaOfAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And join us on the Kia of Auburn hotline, uh, Kia of Auburn, uh, where you're always number one, and uh, KiaOfAuburn.com, 334-321-1390. Smooth like butter. Absolutely. I know, right? <laughs> uh, but we were talking about, I guess, Auburn and what they can do in the SEC. Uh, we might as well take a look at the around the SEC. What what happened this week? Because I do think it was a really weird, really mm-hmm. interesting midweek for for the SEC. I mean, obviously Auburn with a sixty seven forty nine victory over uh, LSU. Well, we'd also love to hear from anybody who's calling anybody any audience out there who wants to call and talk yeah. about Auburn. Um, still love to talk about them. Love to talk about SEC. But yeah, Carter mentioned it three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the SEC, Carter, though. Let's well, run down what happened night, last night. Last night, Auburn got the 67-49 victory over LSU on the road, which was about as impressive of a win as we've seen Auburn have this year. I think it has to be the most impressive win. Uh, then you see number 25, Arkansas. Little surprise that they were still ranked 25th coming into this game, to be honest with you. Yeah. They go on the road to Missouri, and to be honest with you, they had a chance to put Missouri away early. They had a big lead. Missouri couldn't hit a shot to save their lives right off the bat. And, you know, they got super stagnant on offense. And they allowed uh, Missouri to climb back in the game. And then it was a dogfight the rest of the way. And when I and when you look at that game, Arkansas got a little unlucky with some of the ref, uh, the the calls down the stretch. Did you see the call with no contact there towards the end of the game? I think it was the jumper from the baseline, and I don't remember who was taking it, but there was something on Twitter about there was a there jumper was, that was called, and the guy goes up and he shoots it from like 15 feet away, 
the Arkansas defender's three feet away from him, and they call a foul on him. I have no idea what, what the foul was. That's not the one that from. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of there was a play involving the restricted arc. It was the play where Devo Davis gets called for a charge and fouls out in that moment down the stretch for Arkansas. Arkansas had three players foul out in this game, uh, but I think the SEC put out a statement today saying that they missed that call because the the Missouri player's heel was inside the, the restricted arc. I think he tried to lift yeah. it up and draw the charge, but I don't think you're allowed to do that. I think it's still a choice. You're still considered in the restricted arc at that point. Yeah, you got to be. I thought there was an imaginary line yes. that went up. Yes, and I think they were they, they were saying that it was incorrectly called on re- review, which was surprising, and allowed uh, Missouri to foul out another Arkansas player. But I tell you what, watching this game, I think Kobe Brown is really good. I'm not sure how many guys besides him on this Missouri team scare me because I, I, I watch him play, and Kobe Brown gives you 17. You get 16 from Golston off the bench, but some of those starters were struggling, man. They were not getting a lot done. You look at Arkansas, a team that Auburn's already seen, they're just inconsistent. Yeah. like They have these stretches in the game where they can't do anything. They actually shot well from three in this game after going, what, 2 of 16 against Auburn? They would go 7 of 17, but they're unable to hang on. The second half defensively, they get 45 points to a team that, through 10 minutes, they held to 8. So, really, you you saw 26 points over the final 10 minutes of the first half, and then 45 points over the the second half. The, the Arkansas defense just kind of collapsed on itself, and you allow a Missouri team that you could have swept in this season series. You could have with a win. And you had the momentum early. You allow them to get a win. But I come away from this game, I don't think either of these teams are that good. I, I really don't. You're higher on Arkansas than I am, but they're 1-5 in, in conference play. Well, Yes, I agree with you. And I'm not as high as I was to start the season. I still think Arkansas, I mean, look. At, you take a look at their roster. I mean, they're full of, they've got top-ranked players on their lineup from last year. I know that doesn't always mean it, but Arkansas's got talent there. And I think that that mirrors what Kentucky has gone through in the first part of this SEC season. They've got a lot of talent, and they've been kind of expending it in a lot of ways that Mm -hmm. I don't think are very productive to that team. I think that team, I think Kentucky at least, is built around getting it into Sheebway and going up for and going up inside in the post, yep. banging around rather than trying to run and gun like Cal's teams have done in the past. When you've got an elite big man on the inside, I think you got to go in there, and I think that's kind of what Arkansas's problem is. You look down the list. I mean, Anthony Black, he finishes four of nine shooting, but only took three shots from behind the arc. Did not drive very much. He did play thirty nine minutes though. I think he should have more shots than nine in thirty nine minutes. That's your best player, and yep. so I don't think that Arkansas's getting it to their best guys. To, uh, to mention something you were talking about with Missouri, and, and I think I agree with that, with Kobe Brown is the guy for them. If you look elsewhere, you've got Des Moines Hodge, who has scored about 15 points a game this season, only put up seven last night on one of seven shooting. And so I think that that's where Missouri can start to get more production is from those guards, because if those guards come along, I think you're going to see similar play to what we saw in the beginning of the season. But, I mean, yeah, last night, 56 fouls called in this game. Yeah. Yeah, Just, and we that's way too many. We've seen some games where it's it's been nonstop the refs just blowing the uh whistle. I think the 
Georgia Kentucky game was that was that Tuesday uh, night? Yes. Yeah, uh, Tuesday night. I thought there was a stretch in that game where there there couldn't be a complete possession without the whistle being blown. Uh, it's just the way it is in the SEC. All right, when you look at this Arkansas team, one and five in conference play right now. They get Ole Miss and LSU back to back. I think they win both of those. Both of them are at home as well. Yeah. Then they go on the road to Baylor. They're probably going to lose that game. Let's just call it what it is right now. Baylor's starting to rebound after a slow start in Big 12 play. But remaining on the schedule, they have a home and an away game against Texas A&M. And a home and an away game against Kentucky. The away game coming uh, February 7th. Then they finish the season with these three games. At Alabama. At Tennessee. Kentucky at home. Can this team... Can this team salvage this 1-5 start? Because right there, I think you lose all three of those to end the year just because of the grind of having to go on the road to Tuscaloosa, on the road to Knoxville, against the two best teams, according to Kim Palm and the net rankings and the AP poll and the SEC, and then you're having to come back home and take on a Kentucky, Kentucky team that is at least talented. And right now, Arkansas can't afford to have any more injuries. Because if that happens, this team is cooked. I think it is very difficult still to go into Bud Walton and win. I think Alabama did it this year. Alabama's on a different level this year. I think if you look down the schedule, so like you mentioned, you had Missouri last night, Ole Miss and LSU. I think those are both wins, those at home for Arkansas. We're not going to, we'll talk, we can talk about Baylor, but I mean, I don't think, I think that's a loss because that's at Baylor, but, you know, that's not really doing anything for their SEC. Um, you come back, I think you get at Texas A&M at home. That could be kind of a turning point game for them because yeah. it's going to be, can we win the home games against teams that are going to compete with us? Ole Miss, LSU, probably not going to compete with you, even though LSU's can, already beat you on the can year. Can this Arkansas team go into Rupp and win two, two games later? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so either. I think you can, can, they, can, they you can get Can they go on the road to A&M and get a win? I don't think they can either. I still need to see some something from A&M, though, because what we saw last night... Florida shoots two of twenty six to start the game and was in it at the end. I I, I just I'm not sold on a and I know, yet. but but it's just the, it's the fact that in these last three games, we've seen Arkansas's defense for a team that is very athletic and very long. We've seen the defense kind of collapse on themselves. Yeah, we, they gave eighty four to Alabama, they gave ninety seven, ninety seven to Vanderbilt, and after holding Missouri to eight points in the first ten minutes, they allowed seventy one points the last thirty. Like, the the defense has these long stretches of games, sometimes a complete game, where it's not there. And if and if you don't get that turned around, you're going to lose games on the road at A&M, at Kentucky, at Alabama, at Tennessee. You're, and at that point, you might lose to Kentucky at home. We could be talking about an Arkansas team that very easily... Could, could have 10 SEC losses. Yeah, I could... A team, that we, that team that we thought... Had everything it needed to make a, make a final four run, another elite eight run for for Musselman, but it's just it's shocking to see them play as poorly as they did. Uh, elsewhere in the SEC last night, you saw A um, and M beat Florida in just a gross game. I mean, the first half set college basketball back decades, twenty three <laughs> to twelve. Uh, it's the lowest amount of points I've seen in a half. Colin Castleton had like one point at halftime. It's the lowest amount of points I think I've seen in a half since, I believe, there Auburn is, did it. 
there is an NC State like Virginia Tech game that's like the worst game of all time, and and NC State scored like twenty one points in the entire game or something stupid. Yeah, from like it was the same year that Auburn scored like thirty against NC State. Well, there was a there was a year too where Auburn went down thirty two to I think six at halftime against LSU, almost came back and won the game, but they had six points at halftime. But if you're that was. if you are A and M, that's that second half. It felt like you lost your nerve. You got out of a flow, and you, and you were, you're at home too. It's not like you're in a hostile environment, and the thing can get away from you. It just felt like Florida was just chewing up ground, closing the gap, closing the gap, and A and M didn't have any answers. And honestly, a better possession at the end of the game, Florida could be walking away as a winner. Yep. They had a chance. They had two and a half seconds and had a chance to get a two to, to send it to OT or a three to win. They got a really bad shot. I really hated the the uh, look that they got coming out of a timeout, and they airballed the funnel shot, yeah, yeah, and the definitely. guy kind of flailed looking for a foul, and he didn't get it because it was actually, I thought it was good defense by A&M on that yeah, play. Go up, go up trying to make it. But, but that, like, I feel more comfortable about Auburn playing A&M having watched that Florida game because I know the way that Auburn is trending. And I know Florida has turned out to be a solid SEC team. They have, I believe, two losses to A&M. So three and a one against teams not named Texas A&M. Um, I think Auburn next week should be able to handle business at home against Texas A&M. And I legitimately think after watching them kind of struggle and uh, vacate their bowels down their leg... In the second half against Florida, I think Auburn can go go to College Station and get a win. Yeah, that's. I'm sorry, I'm I'm still reeling from that one, but yeah, I I could see it. Um, I'm still I'm still stuck on this Texas A&M team. I'm I'm still not sure. I don't know. I, I'm just not sure of what they're gonna what they're gonna do down the stretch here. I mean, just like everybody else, it seems like this year they got to go to Rupp, then they got to go to Auburn, they got to go to Arkansas. Um, they got to go to, I think, I'm like looking down the list here. They still got Alabama on the schedule. So I still think they got a lot of tough games they got to go through to prove that they're, I mean, Florida, LSU, Missouri, South Carolina, and Florida, again, that's not the cream of the crop in the SEC. Yeah. Granted, I think you could say the same thing about Auburn, but I think Auburn has shown over the year that they are. They, a Auburn, good team. I feel like Auburn, on the whole, there's like the, the Mississippi State game. <laughs> may have been a little bit of a plateau, but we've seen Auburn progressively get better from yes. that Georgia game to now. I'm not sure that's happening with A&M, uh, but quickly running through the Tuesday results that we have not talked about because I've not seen you since Saturday, buddy. Uh, Alabama goes on the road to long. Vanderbilt and gets a 78-66 win. I really wasn't that impressed, I'll be honest with you, because I thought in that second half, Alabama really kind of lost momentum and if you throw any number of five or six different SEC teams out there, they close that game. They close that that gap and make that a game at the end. Vanderbilt, I just thought they looked awful. Second half was forty-two to forty, Alabama. So the and, Commodore's and, playing and close. It felt like Vanderbilt had so many opportunities to make it closer than that and really win the second half, and they just didn't convert. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee goes on the road to Mississippi State, seventy to fifty-nine win. I wasn't that impressed with them because nope, I thought I, I thought A and M or I thought I thought State did not look good in that game. I thought Tennessee at times was struggling with State. Um, 
I really thought they were going to figure out a way to get that done and just fell apart late. You know what Mississippi State did do in that game? What? Hit a three-pointer. Yes, they did. <laughs> they, they hit a few, I think. Yeah, I think they, they did. They, I think they hit a few after going 0 for 18 against Auburn, yes, I believe yes, it was. Yes, that is the number. 18. Uh, we've already talked about it. Ole Miss goes on the road to South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina continues to be incapable of defending home court. Ole Miss got their first SEC win, 70-58. to And Georgia... Kind of dominated Kentucky in the first half. Looked like the better team. But then Oscar Sheway goes nuts. 37-24. And three steals as well. As they came back and got an 85-71 victory in that one. It really was um, shocking to watch how bad Kentucky looked in the first half. And then watch Oscar Sheway just straight up dominate the game like you don't really see in college basketball. It was the most impressive performance I've seen in a while by a college player. Georgia's trying to be good this year. They're, They're trying to be good. They're 3-2. Fight, and two. I, Vandy's coming up. They could get to 4-2 and two with that. Before they go on the road to Tennessee, that's probably lost. But then they get South Carolina again. So Georgia could be up to 6-3 yeah. and three here soon. Absolutely. I, uh, I think uh, here after the break, we're going to take a look at... There's some big games around the country in college basketball. I'll talk about a few of them. If you want to call in and talk about any of these games or Auburn or really anything you want to talk about, 334-321-1390 is the number for the Kia of Auburn hotline. Uh, we'll be back after the break here on The Drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of The Drive. Here in the Auburn Network studio with uh, my good buddy Jack Hudden, uh, we're talking some college basketball. And if you if you want to call call in and talk about it, feel free to call in on the Kia of Auburn hotline three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We would love to hear your thoughts, uh, whether it be about Auburn, the SEC, or really anything in college basketball. Because we're going to talk about that here in a, here in a second. We said this on after the game before, and. I think this is a cool question because I, I would I would love to keep talking about this with just our audience in general. This Alabama team this year, very good. We've seen them yes. be what I would call elite at times. Last season, I think Auburn reached that status at one mm-hmm. point in the season. I think yeah, they're as number the number one, one the team, as the number one team, I think they reached the elite status. If this is played on a neutral site, let's say you get last year's Auburn club versus this year's Alabama club. And we've talked about this, Carter, but mm-hmm. I want to know what our audience thinks about who would win that game. On a neutral site, what do you think about last year's Auburn team with Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler versus this year's Alabama team? I think that that's a really good conversation to have. I think you and I lean last year's Auburn team. I think there's a little bit of bias there, but I do think we lean last year's Auburn team. I, I am curious. I, I want to go back and look at how Auburn's three-point defense was Last year, last year Auburn held uh, opposing teams to 31% from three. Uh, they held opponents to 42.8% from two because they were so dominant down low with Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. They had a couple guys down there who could make it very difficult for you to score in the paint. I think because of the presence of Walker Kessler, I think Alabama absolutely has an advantage with, with Mark Sears versus Wendell Green. I yeah. think Mark Sears is a better point guard. He's a better shooter. Um, I trust him with the basketball, especially late in the game, right now more than I do Wendell Green, especially last year when you look at 
all of the mishaps Auburn had late in games. Um, I think Auburn has it'd be a fascinating matchup between Jabari Smith and uh, Brandon Miller. I think Brandon Miller might be better offensively. Might be. Ooh, that's a, that's a he's, he's yeah. I mean he's really he's an unbelievable shooter. He really is. I think Jabari might be better defensively, and that might turn out to be a wash. I was going to say is that is that just kind of does that cancel it out cancel each other out? It basically? might be. Yeah. It really might be. I think that. Uh, Walker Kessler is the di- the difference maker down low because I think his presence makes everything so so much more difficult in the paint for this this Alabama team that's that's this season. I think that Auburn very much would have a a chance to get that win, but I think it'd be an unbelievable basketball game oh, yeah. with both those teams at their peaks, uh, and I think it'd be so much fun to keep an eye on. Yes, definitely so. Love to hear from the audience. 334-321-1390. Give us a call on the Kia of Auburn Drive hotline. Carter, uh, when we went to break, we were talking about SEC basketball and um, wanted to continue that conversation when we got back. But I think we're going to have to take the first, our top of the hour break break, here. We'll be back on the drive, though. Carter Bird, Jack Hudden. Leaving you to it. 334-321-1390. First hour of the drive up. Second one coming at you after these messages. We'll be right back on the drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. Greg Roman stepped down as Ravens offensive coordinator amid massive criticism and player frustration. Baltimore's scoring had decreased in each of Roman's four seasons as the team's play caller. This move, likely made with pending free agent quarterback Lamar Jackson in mind, says Fitz and Harry co-host Harry Douglas. This could be a stepping stone in the direction that the Baltimore Ravens needed to go for Lamar Jackson, number one, to thrive as a quarterback, even more so than he has since he's been in the National Football League, but also a stepping stone for them to repair their relationship that has been rocky the last few weeks. Ravens coach John Harbaugh and GM Eric DaCosta expressing confidence they'll be able to resign Jackson, said he'll be part of the OC search. Several changes in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers fired offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich. Eight other coaches left the staff. Tampa Bay in 2022 ranked 25th in the NFL in points per game, also had the league's worst rushing attack. Longtime Notre Dame basketball coach Mike Bray will step down after this season, capping off a 23-year run in which he became the winningest coach in program history. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hour number two of The Drive here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird joined by my Buddy and co-host for After the Game, Jack Hudden. I'm not your good buddy? Good buddy. Man, everybody else gets good buddy. (laughs) This hour of The Drive (laughs) is brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika, on the web at orthoclinic.com. If you'd like to text a question or comment to us, you can hit us up on The Drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Texting 334-564-1840. That's 334-564-1840. Also, the daily podcast of The Drive, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Alabama-based firm, now hiring for great paying skilled trade positions. Call them at 334-209-6355 to learn more. If you want to be a part part of the show... Call us on the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390. Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And I think that's where we're going to open our number two as we head to the uh, phone lines. We've got Dak on the line. Dak, how are you? Hey, guys. How are y'all doing? Doing all right. How are you? Good, man. Good, good. Good show today. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, I'll talk about what you asked, uh, you know, with last year's Auburn team, how they would do against this year's Alabama team. Mm-hmm. My first question would be, what part of the season are we talking about the Auburn team? I think I think you have to pick kind peak of Auburn, around so right now with Alabama because they're, they're at their peak, they're their peak uh, okay. and then peak good, Auburn good. last year. Kentucky game okay, Auburn? I think I, was, yeah. I, I think I would go with Auburn. Uh, I agree. Just because of, because of Kessler. Yeah. Uh, because it, you remember earlier, we were playing really good defense, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the, it seemed like we were playing more as a team during that during that point. I always say this, no matter what sport it is, and I said it last year when Auburn was on that hot streak: is you can't peak too early, especially Absolutely in sure. basketball. And I think Alabama is going to go through those same problems that we did last year. Yeah, I mean, I I think at some point we will see Alabama fall off some. I do think that they're probably in a better situation from a guard play perspective than last year's Auburn team was. And so I think it might be a little easier for them to sustain last year's guard play, uh, especially in the back half of the year. It left some something to uh, something wanting, I guess. You you wanted a little bit more out of Wendell Green, uh, Zeb Jasper, Katie Johnson when he got crazy cold uh, in the back half of the year last season. Something talking about Walker Kessler and the impact he had. You talk about Jabari and Kessler with the impact they have as far as their length and shot blocking ability. Last year, Auburn was the fifth best team in the in the country on defense on opposing two point field goals, and I think that paints that picture of just Kessler swats everything in the lane. Jabari can clean up a few too, and it's so difficult to score on them. In the land, I do think the shoulder injury at the end of the year affected Kessler. Yeah, I do too. Uh, when he to took that hard that fall, out. yeah, I think that 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 right. helped kind of bring about the the very quick uh, demise of that Auburn team last year. 
I agree, and you know, and I don't know what happened to our guard play, both on offense and defense, because mm-hmm. the last ten games, right, with about five games before the SEC tournament, we, our defense wasn't the same. Yeah, uh, people people drove on us at ease. It seemed like at times, uh, but now you know we did play Tennessee and, and Arkansas in that stretch, and then the SEC tournament, and then it carried over into the NCAA tournament, but. Uh, but anyway, and so uh, switching gears a little bit, do, do you think that after spring ball, is there any possibility of any quarterback that will enter the transfer portal in May? And, and enter the that portal, we might have enter a chance the portal and end up at Auburn? Yeah, that's One, what I mean. 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think Auburn has to because, and I've talked about this on the, on, on the line, I've talked about it on the drive this week, I am going into this spring with the assumption in my head that T.J. Finley will not be on the roster in the fall. I don't see it. I, I think that I some of the social media stuff, the dad going on locked on Auburn, criticizing the coaching staff, some of the stuff with kind of unplugging from the program and not being around, missing some meetings. Uh, there was also a moment that Zach Blackerby, friend of the show, uh, on locked on Auburn has, has referenced where Robbie Ashford gets banged up in a game, late in a game. I think it's maybe the Arkansas game. And yeah, I think it was the Arkansas TJ game. And they to Finley in the game, and he says no because he's trying to preserve his red shirt. I don't think that sat well in the locker room. No. And I right. think that yeah. it's going to be very difficult for him to uh, regain the respect and trust of his teammates. And also, the fit in this offense is not as good. So I am of the mindset... T.J. Finley is just here for the spring so he can get to graduation and then transfer somewhere else. I would say looking at any college football team, even if, let's say Robbie Ashford is a Heisman winner next season. He just breaks out and is the best thing that Auburn (laughs) has seen since Nick Marshall. I think that if you look at the rest of the roster, you've got Holden Garner, and then you've got Hank Brown, assuming T.J. Finley transfers you somewhere. Have to have you essentially have two-and-a-half scholarship guys. Hank Brown going to be a freshman, not going to really and he's be not, involved he's not, in the offense, much less the scout and he's team, not really. on campus right, right now as a freshman. Which so it's kind of like two-and-a-half scholarships. Yes, he's in, not in going through, right. through, through the spring. And if you want to get the most out of Robbie Ashford, you need a fourth body because you need to free him up to use his Legs. Challenge if him. you only have right. Hank Brown and and Holden in that quarterback room, you're not going to see Robbie run as much and use his legs and that natural athleticism and speed that we've seen that was so effective in Tuscaloosa this year that was the reason why he ran for almost 700, 800 yards this past year. He won't be able to use that as much because you're going to have to protect him from a health perspective. Auburn has to add a quarterback, in my mind, right. in the portal okay. in May. Yeah, and and Hugh is great with quarterbacks. Absolutely. But my my question too is uh, Holden. Now he was pretty highly recruited, was he not? He was. I mean, he was he was a pretty highly rated four star quarterback, uh, mid tier four star. Yeah. But yeah, he was. He definitely was yeah. highly pursued by major programs. Yeah, with a year, especially uh, a spring under Hugh, then I wouldn't count him out as as you know making a push. I think that's uh, fair. I just think that. At that point, um, Holden is a younger guy than Robbie. Robbie's probably a more raw passer, not as polished. But I think Holden was a better fit for the Brian Harson, little more um, pocket back. passer kind of quarterback. <laughs> where, where when you look at Hugh Freeze's offense offenses, his quarterbacks average around like 450 yards rushing a year, and I think that that 
would fall more in line with Robbie Ashford's skill set and his ability to to um, use his legs because you saw what Malik Willis did with in Hugh Freeze's offense, and, and he right. became a third round draft pick. Uh, I mean, right. you look at even at Ole Miss, Bo Wallace. Was a, was not the most mobile guy, but he still ran for about four hundred yards a year, and was a right. was a dual threat kind of guy a little bit. You got to have I, some mobility as a quarterback. I think, in the I offense, think yeah. Robbie's no advantage doubt. with his legs gives him an edge and his schematic fit. But I agree with you; you can't count out Holden because I think he is a very talented quarterback. And keep in mind, Robbie Ashford ran for over seven hundred yards this season, and the last four games, teams knew it was coming. It was a quarterback run all the way. Teams knew it was coming. Imagine and Robbie Ashford. Brian, imagine how many yards he could have run for if Brian Harson didn't try to fit a square peg in a round hole and try to make him a drop back passer for the I first just two think thirds. There, there are so many avenues with what Robbie Ashford can do next season if he is healthy. I think we've seen that, or we've heard from some people. I think that he had an injury kind of late in the year last year and didn't perform up to what he was capable of. So maybe that's something you look at. But I think that rushing attack is. It's too dangerous not to put on the field because, again, he did it when teams knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. I think that he can continue doing it in a Hugh Freeze offense. Yeah, I agree. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Jack. I think we're going to head back to the phone line Yes, here. we are. we got Jones on line, too. Jones, go ahead, man. Gentlemen, I'm really thoroughly enjoying the dialogue and the uh, discourse about Auburn and so forth. Appreciate this that. all things basketball. Um, do me a favor and explain to me why Auburn can't get some sort of a Tony Robbins-type guru to talk to Joni Broom. He needs to just <laughs> stop what he's doing because he is not the team. And obviously, I'm watching the game as an Auburn lover, and I'm seeing if I'm an official, I'm not going to tolerate that. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I've um, Daryl Daprich, I've, I've heard him talk about it, uh, another friend of the show. He... Uh, I think he's got a decent point where with the amount, how expressive Jani Broom is, how much he he interacts after every foul called on him and every play where he has the ball, he's talking to the ref. Uh, and then also the way that when he does hit a shot every now and then, he'll hit you with the he's or he'll flex too on small. you with the he's too small thing. <laughs> that one, I'll be honest, the he's too small thing really bothered me against Mississippi yeah. State because Tolu Smith was eating his lunch. Yeah, he is not too small. It's, I mean, I think it's kind of it's Janai's personality. I agree with you. I don't love it all the time, uh, and there's certain moments where I absolutely hate it, like the Mississippi State game. I would love to see if maybe he just took a breath, relaxed a little bit. Maybe some of the calls would go a little more favorably in his direction because it feels like down low he just gets banged around by by people down low, bigger body guys, and he doesn't get a lot of calls, and I hate it for him because I think he's a really good player, but I think that there could be a little bit of a frustration from the refs, and they're less willing, uh, maybe a subconscious bias, to not give him those calls. Well, I agree, and if you you could take this Auburn team, and they're so close, but if Mm -hmm. you could get some sort of a... uh, mental suits there to get KD Johnson and Broom in a room and say, guys, y'all got tremendous skills, but y'all's problem is between the ears. Mm-hmm. It's just like a golf game. If you, you got a bad golf game, it's normally between the ears. And there's maybe some subtle mechanics that are going wrong, but all in all, probably not. But if they could get in those guys' heads and get them 
I mean, there's no reason KD can't think and act a little more like Wendell. Uh, obviously, he can't be as quite as good as Wendell, but he's close. Sure. Not. When you see him miss shots, he's too physically aggressive. If he'll be just like he did last night and take it one step down, one notch down, he'll start hitting more of those threes. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, he got a little bit back on track last night. Mm-hmm. And Janai Bloom could be one of the top ten Auburn forwards in history if he would just fix it between his ears. I wish I could express to him, guys, you're there, but you'll never get there if you're not mentally ready to get there. And just stop the madness, be a teammate, not individual, and I think we'll be fine. It's a good point. It's a really good point, Jones. I think you are seeing that a little bit with Wendell Green and Alan Flanagan this year. You've seen an improvement in performance from, really, from Alan Flanagan the past three years. I think he's playing better than he really ever has. He had a game where he turned it over against Mississippi State a lot. I think that that 2021 season when... He had to be the guy. I think playing, he's playing out of position. I think we saw some really high level play out of him. He's having to play point guard. I think he still turned it over too much that year. Agreed, but but he also wasn't a point guard. He was having to touch it every time down yeah. the court. Now I think Mississippi State game aside, where I think maybe the absence of Chris Moore, he put a little too much pressure on himself to help. Um, give the extra production that Chris Moore would have given. Um, this game against LSU, I think you saw him chill out. I think that it's helpful when you get 16 minutes and 8 points out of Leor Berman, and there's not a dramatic drop-off there. I think it takes some of the pressure off Alan Flanagan, and he can play a much more efficient game where he takes 6 shots, gets 8 points, 7 rebounds, and he only turns it over once. I think, yes, I agree. I think Wendell and Allen are starting to come around wasn't the most efficient game by Wendell at LSU. Um, but, yeah, I think Janai, for about three weeks there, was the most consistent player on the team. You could almost bank on him going out and getting you a double-double. Definitely. And I was I was encouraged by the physicality. Um, it's been odd to see him kind of get out of sorts here these last couple games. I hope he can get it back. KD, I've been rather critical of. I just think he's at his best going to the rim and not settling for a very high volume of threes. He did go two of four last night, which was there were some big ones. But I think when he gets to the free throw line, that's when he's at his best. You got you. Well, I really enjoy the dialogue. Keep it going, guys. Keep up the great work. We'll call you tomorrow. Appreciate it. Thank you. Jones, we appreciate the call. Great call. Great call there. Um, I think we do need to get to a break, though. But I want to continue kind of talking about maybe some basketball. I want to get a little bit into football, though. Hopefully, we're going to hear from Zep Jasper around 5.30 for some Tiger take. It's, I think we are. Um, so we're going to take one more segment after that, maybe talk some basketball, maybe talk a little Auburn football, and then get into that next coming up on The Drive. Happy New Year from Kia of Auburn. The new year is the gateway to new beginnings, and we wish you the best year ever. 2023 is a special year as we celebrate our 10th anniversary at Kia of Auburn. Thank you to the thousands of customers who are now part of our family. We appreciate you and value your business. If a new vehicle is in your future, now is the time to buy, as we need to move out to 22 models to make way for the 23. Shop us in person at 1687 College Street or anytime online at KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. The Drive.
Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of The Drive here in the Auburn Network studio. Uh, and I'm here with my good buddy, Jack Hutt. There it is. Co-host for After the Game. We are filling in for The Drive for Bill Cameron and Dan Peck as they are both on the road in very different locations. I think Bill is on a cruise, and I think uh, Dan is somewhere in the mountains of West Virginia. That's right. Is what I do believe is taking place right he's, now. He's scouting out the Morgantown uh the crowd for the game that Auburn's going to be having. Up there I was in a wondering where you were going. I, with yeah, that. I was. I thought about audience. I thought that's not the right term for a sports crowd. But you know, we'll, you, we'll keep going. You and I were talking in the middle of the break, and if you want to chime in on this conversation, feel free to on the Kia of Auburn Hotline three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The quarterback situations in the SEC right now are so very fascinating. We got the news uh, of the past what forty eight hours that. Walker Howard, the LSU transfer quarterback, very highly rated player in the 2022 class, mm-hmm. hit the portal, committed to Ole Miss. And then Spencer Sanders, four-year starter at Oklahoma State, using his COVID year, um, he committed to Ole Miss. Was that this morning? That was, was this morning. Wow. It was this morning. On I thought it was last night. That this morning, he is this the morning. Number, number 27 overall transfer, I think, in the actual portal. Um, according to on three, I think Walker Howard, very capable guy. Yes, very capable. Um, had uh, I think what was it? I think it was forty touchdowns last season, but threw a good amount of picks as well. Uh, um, no, I think I think it was fewer than that. I think he threw seventeen. Or Spencer Sanders threw seventeen touchdowns, had nine picks. Uh, that was. Oh, I'm those, thinking career. Sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm his, looking at career. His numbers. career numbers are, are are better than that. We've seen some some very big uh, performances by him. What's interesting to me is when you look. Is the fact that Jackson Dart, the incumbent starter at Ole Miss, is on that campus still? Yeah, I mean, and statistically, when you look at it, you can certainly make the argument Jackson Dart was better in the SEC West this past year than Spencer Sanders was in the Big Twelve. Spencer Sanders was two twelve of three sixty eight, fifty seven point six percent, two thousand six hundred forty two yards, seventeen touchdowns, nine picks. Ran for 391 and eight touchdowns. Jackson Dart, 226 of 362, 62.4%, 2,974 yards, 20 touchdowns, 11 picks, a couple more interceptions, more passing touchdowns, 614 rushing yards, one touchdown. They're pretty similar. Um, you got to think that Lane Kiffin doesn't love Jackson Dart with the fact that he went out and got it, brought in two transfer quarterbacks and at least was communicating with Mike Wright, the Vanderbilt transfer, at one point as well. Um, the portal is now closed, and Auburn, had the last day for registration was a couple days ago for Auburn, or I guess it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday, the 18th is the last day uh, you could enroll in class. So what that means is, unless somebody has snuck in uh, without, without the knowledge of the Auburn beat and the media, Auburn is going to roll into the spring with Robbie Ashford, T.J. Finley, Holden Gurner. Those are your three guys. We don't feel confident, or we feel it is very likely, T.J. Finley is not involved in this by the time the, the fall comes around. But, and, and if that's the case, 
Auburn has to add somebody. And we and we talked about that earlier with Dak on the phone. And so you look to that May window that opens, I think, the 1st of May and runs through through the 15th. And there will be quarterbacks in that window. There will be a lot of quarterbacks, I would imagine. And you look at places like, could Jackson Dart hit the portal? Because clearly they're bringing in Spencer Sanders with the expectation he is going to start. Mm-hmm. And clearly they're bringing in Walker Howard with the expectation that he's going to sit behind he's Spencer Sanders and then they're going to hand him the reins in 2024. So that seems to paint the picture that Jackson Dart is the odd man out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, At Georgia, I- you've got Brock Vandegrift, Carson Beck, uh, Gunnar Stockton, 14 stars of quarterback that sat behind Stetson Bennett these past couple years. Apparently, Georgia's greatest player ever, according to their message board. <laughs> Some people. Well, I mean, you can most accomplished player. I think is you can a make an argument, argument for it, but when you've got, I mean, Her- yes, best when player. you've got yes. Herschel Walker going through, I don't, I don't think that's a conversation. But you could see one or two of the guys that lose that quarterback battle hit the portal. I could definitely see that, especially if it's Brock Vandegrift, a guy who's been there for a couple of years. If Carson Beck, and it appears to be a Carson Beck leader in the clubhouse situation with the fact that he got every snap uh, that Stetson Bennett did not get in the national championship, I think he's starting to climb up there in Heisman odds. I think the general buzz, we had Jordan Hill on, on the line earlier this week, and he seemed to think it's going to be Carson Beck's show. He's going to have the lead going into the spring. Could you see Brock Vandegrift in the portal? Uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what Auburn does. And uh, I'm curious what, what your thoughts are, Jack. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think when you're looking at quarterbacks, you, you've got a few different directions you can go if you're Auburn here. So you're going to get guys who are going to enter when you get that summer session to, to come around. So you got to go through the spring with who you got. But once it opens back up, I believe it's, it's going to be in May, I think is when it opens back up. I think May 1st. May 1st. When you get that open back up, you're going to have guys that are going to start entering because they have bad, they don't have good situations at their current team. So they either have lost a scholarship, or no, lost a starting spot, yes, or they've lost an NIL deal that they thought they were going to have. We most recently saw that with, by the way, Florida, Jaden Rashada, thirteen million dollars in NIL for like the sixth or seventh best. Quarterback. How do you promise that to any athlete? I mean, that's a pro-level contract. That's reckless. That's reckless by the collective down at Florida. They're going through it. It's a black eye for the collective, for the program. There's a lot of unrest around Billy Napier. I'm curious to see how that shakes out. By the way, they're going to go into the spring with a really bad quarterback that played in their bowl game and did not look good at all, and Graham Mertz, who's not good. Back So, because... The registration date, I believe, has passed for them. The portal, the portal window is is closed. Yeah, Walker Howard was one of their like hopes and prayers to save that quarterback room. He's going to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. They're in trouble. They're looking, in a lot of trouble. So, looking at some available quarterbacks right now in the portal, and these are not guys I don't think Auburn has contacted. I think you know you remember the Grayson McCall situation is something that may come back up. He's going to have to do a lot of classwork work. to get through. And mm-hmm. I think he does want to end up at Auburn. I think just kind of reading the tea leaves, that's where he would like to be. But 
like again, we said he's going to have to do a ton of work to get on campus. If you can't get him on, a couple of names have been have been floated out there. Michael Pratt at Tulane, who has been really good for them, twenty seven touchdowns, five interceptions this past year. You look at Riley Leonard, almost three thousand yards, twenty touchdowns, six interceptions for Duke. A um, couple other guys in the portal right now. You got Jake Garcia, who was a pretty highly rated four star out of high school. He's in Miami transferring out also you got sam huard uh, up in washington behind michael Penix jr so there's outside of those guys there's really not somebody that auburn has been dead set on it doesn't seem like thought that was happening with spencer sanders but it looks like auburn kind of passed on him yeah i think i think if auburn really wanted to they could probably have figured out a way to make that work um what i'm curious about is how many of these guys in the portal right now are looking to go through spring ball? Because they're in the portal, so they can now go wherever they want. Well, Auburn, you can't enroll in Auburn right now. Right. You can't. I don't know. It would have to be an act of God to get somebody enrolled and caught up to where they could go through spring practice right now. I don't I don't see it happening. Yeah. But when you look at um, that May window, and you brought up Michael Pratt, and then there was some buzz at one point about, Riley Leonard at Duke, a guy who's from Alabama, um, who has some decent connections to Auburn as well. The rumors are that Riley Leonard is really, like, the thing tying him to Duke is the academics. Uh, I think he just went through his sophomore year, if I do, his redshirt freshman year, maybe. Um, You have him at Duke. You have Michael Pratt at Tulane, who's another guy who was rumored. If Michael Pratt goes through the spring, because Tulane loses some pieces, and he evaluates his own roster, and he realizes, oh, we're in a bad spot. Yeah. Like, my O-line may not may be different. I may not be able to have as much time. I don't have my running back, my stud running back anymore. The pieces around me aren't good enough for me to compete. Could you see him hop in the portal in May? Yeah, and I think and, there's and going look to be... for a, an opportunity like in Auburn where he can walk in and potentially in a short window win the starting job by week one. I think that is the type of guy that, or Grayson McCoffey finishes all his classwork. Those two jump to mind. If they were to somehow hit the portal still in May, Auburn would snap up, and that guy would be your 2023 quarterback and give you time to develop Robbie Ashford, which I think is. Long term, probably the best move for Robbie Ashford. Sure. I think giving him time to develop and learn would be huge. I think he can still win eight, nine games next year. I think eight is a solid expectation. With the schedule Auburn has, it's easier. But I also wonder if you have a um, potentially Riley Leonard. Is there some sort of scenario where he could graduate and then potentially think still get grad, that Duke, Duke degree? A grad transfer just seems He's like a, the way that Auburn should be going with it. Get a guy, come in one year, and then Robbie's your guy moving forward. That seems like the best scenario, but you know you, you can't tell. Be interesting to see what Auburn does. Absolutely. We're going to head to a break. When we come back, Zepp Jasper joins the show. Uh, so don't miss that here on The Drive. Turn up some more yardage on the drive. The drive.
Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Time now for our weekly Tiger Take segment. Brought to you by Osabrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or you can find him on the web at osolaw.com. Today we're joined by Auburn University guard Zepp Jasper. Zepp, how are things coming off that uh, impressive road win? 18-point win at LSU, holding them below 50 points. Uh, Well, it was an impressive win. Um, We knew LSU uh, had lost two of the last two last three of their games. And um, coming in, we knew that they, they maybe would be pumped against playing against a ranked Auburn team to try to get their momentum back. But, you know, as a team, we went in last night focused, you know, and ready to play against the LSU team. A great coach um, who produced NBA players. Um, we just knew our strategy was to come in and win in, 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 in Baton Rouge last night. And we got the job done. We did everything coach asked us to do. Um, did everything on the Sky Report, and we, we just executed well. Zep, really good performance last night, of course, in Baton Rouge. Now you guys go on the road to Columbia. It's been a place where Auburn at times has struggled to win in the past, but um, I think the past few years Auburn has done well up there. What do you guys need to do this Saturday uh, to have continue having success up there? Well, the thing is, continue to play hard, continue to execute on the on on offense and defense in the end. But, for instance, you know, we all know South Carolina is one of the worst teams in the conference. It's the, one of the worst records in the conference. But that doesn't matter. SEC is the best conference in um, college basketball, without a doubt. Um, with South Carolina just beating um, – South Carolina beat Kentucky at Rupp Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I don't think um, BP ever beat um, Kentucky at Rupp Arena, not just yet, um, since he's been coaching at Harbor. Um, and South Carolina went in there – one against one a, a good Kentucky team, so you know we can't we can't take our battle light. You know we got to come in there um, with the same mindset, whether they're one and eight or whether they're twelve and two, of, of trying to win this game and and trying to play defense. Hang I had on defense, but also executing on offense, and you know just coming in and get everybody you know a taste of Auburn basketball. Zeb on a four game win streak like y'all are on right now, and you've been a part of. Uh, an Auburn team last year that won a bunch of games in a row. How do you stay focused in a spot like this, going on a road, uh, going on the road and playing a team that I guess most people feel that you are better than? How do you not take a matchup like this lightly and stay focused on the road in the SEC? Well, the biggest thing, the biggest thing is um, we know they beat Kentucky. In Kentucky... No matter, I don't care what people say, Kentucky is a good team. Kentucky is going to finish top four in the league. Um, and, and, and Kentucky lost to them. But, you know, we got to come in there with a mindset of play hard. No, no matter the record, we got to, we got to be, we got to play Auburn basketball. We got to come in and come in from the jump, from the start to let them know, um, that we're here to play. Um, no matter y'all record, we're, we're going to, to play to the end of this game. And, um, as I've seen a lot of teams play them in the conference, once they play from the jump and they play hard, you know, South Carolina bow down and, 
and let those teams win. You know, they got, you know, affected by the pressure and, you know, the way teams play. But um, we won't take this team lightly. I seen a guy on XC Network last night say, I will watch out for Auburn this weekend, you know, going into South Carolina. Um, it could possibly be a, a loss for Auburn this weekend. And, you know, as a team, you know, um, I think we'll be well prepared to, to play those guys. Um, they got a, a great freshman, Gigi Jackson. Um, I think he'd be a lottery pick. Um, but we won't take this team lightly. We will come in there as prepared as prepared as possible. And, you know, the, the thing is we got to keep it rolling. We want to stay on the hot streak as mm-hmm. long as we can. And as we all know, last year uh, we won a lot of games. We, we won a lot of games in a row. We started in the SEC, one of the hot, who was one of the hottest teams in the country last year. And we just want to get back to that, you know, but not peaking too early, but, you know, peaking at the right time, you know. Talking with Zepp Jasper of the Auburn basketball team on Tiger Takes. It's Thursday at 5.30. Hey, Zepp wanted to ask you about the energy between last year's team and this year's team. Something that we've been asking some callers in the past few weeks is how does this year's team or how does this year's Alabama team match up with last year's Auburn team? And, and we've got some differing uh, opinions from people, but what I want to know from you is how does, how does this year's team for you compare to last year's Auburn team? What's different about it? And then what's the same? Um, well, it's, it's, it's a whole lot of different varieties, you know, from this year's team and last year's team, you know, we had Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, so we kind of knew, you know, that those two guys was the key, the key pieces to our team last year. We knew down the stretch that Jabari Smith could make a basket. We knew we had to get a stop, you know, if our guard went past us. Walker Kessler was going to block that shot. You know, going to the game last year, I know teams thought, oh, I ain't going in that paint with Walker Kessler. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty sure those dudes was talking in the locker room whether they coach said going to his chest or not, those dudes are talking to themselves saying, oh, I'm not going in the paint with, with Auburn because they got two twin towers back there. Those guys will block your shot. But this, well, this year, we're not, they're not as afraid to go in the paint. But, you know, they're still kind of like hesitant. But, and you also, this year's team, it, it kind of took us a minute to, to get our roles to understand how good we can be. A lot of a lot of people doubted this team and said, "I don't think they'll be good." This and that, and mm-hmm. I think their record would be maybe like you know the team that went to the Final Four. I've seen a lot of fans saying something like, "Oh, maybe this team would be like the Final Four team, win such and such game, coming fourth or fifth place in the SEC." But it was all about being patient with this team, mm-hmm. you know, patient to see where can what can we be to see what the SEC is like to see. How will we? How will we stick with those teams, and how will we match up with those teams? I believe it's all about matchups. Like in this year, you got a great Alabama team. They're they're hot. They're sizzling right now. They they're at their peak right now. And last year we was at our peak. You know, on that winning game streak. You know, everyone in the SEC wanted a piece of us. Mm-hmm. They wanted to win. They wanted to knock us off. And I feel like Alabama. That's what they're going through right now. Everybody wants a piece of Alabama because they're the hottest team. In the nation right now, you know I can't I can't lie and say they're not the hottest team in the nation. Them boys are the hottest <laughs> in the nation right now, and you know if we can get a taste of them, get a piece of them, we'll be glad to, and we'll get a chance to. But you know that'll be you know, that'll be an excellent game because I feel like 
they kind of remind me of last year, but they they're, they're different in many ways. They shoot threes, and but I, I feel like they're playing defense more this year. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's, I, I give credit to Alabama, but you know, it'll be it'll be a test. You know, with them hitting the peak pretty fast. Zepp, when you go on the road against LSU and then to start the second half, they go on that run to cut it to two points. A lot of other teams and maybe Auburn teams of the past that could have gotten to them in a hostile environment when the crowd's back in it. But instead, y'all went on a run of y'all's own and really put some distance between y'all and LSU. What does that do for y'all going forward? Is that something that y'all can pull from in hostile environments, knowing that you have that capability as you move down the stretch in SEC play? Well, um, going into arenas, you know, uh, I was just talking to Wendell about this um, today. And um, after this game, um, playtime is really over because you're going to hostile environments. Um, you got teams that are going to pack out their arenas and, you know, they're going to get their fans to, you know, just be as loud as possible to, to beat a ranked opponent. You know, so when we go in arenas that's not that loud, we feel like we're kind of like playing at home, but not at home because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't got a lot of noise. You get, you can hear a lot of things. You can hear what Coach saying. Um, it just key factors when you got home court advantage, especially when it's super loud. You know, you kind of feel it. You kind of feel that you're not at home, but when you go into those arenas that's, Fifteen, twenty thousand. Who you feel it? You look up and you you just tell yourself that sure, you have to be locked in. You have to be focused because this arena is going to be loud. Like we went into Tennessee last year. I looked up; it was nothing but orange, yeah. you know. And we was like number two or three team in the country. And it's like, hey, they trying to knock us off, man. Mm-hmm. We, we got to be prepared for this. So, you know, going into these arenas and. Going, getting down to, to to stretch time and getting to play these these highly ranked teams, we have to be focused. Um, we know it's going to be tough going to the hostile environment. Absolutely. I guess one last final quick question here for you, Zep. How did it feel uh, getting that opening three to start the game last night? Oh, it felt great. Um, my three-point percentages have been going up over the last couple games. I feel great shooting the ball. And I feel like every time I shoot the ball now, I think it's going to go in. Every single time, and that confidence is slowly coming back. And, you know, I won't disappoint the fans. I'll just keep shooting and keep shooting until I make them. And I believe I'm going to make them. But it felt really awesome to get that three to go in the first start of the game. Yeah, I got Zep, you. I, I told Carter, I'm a fan of more Zep Jasper shots on this <laughs> season. I, I, think, I think that's where Auburn can make some money there. Well, Zep, hey, we, we appreciate you uh, joining us here this, this evening for uh, Tiger Takes. Where can uh, Auburn fans and anybody listening uh, keep up with you and uh, everything that, that, that you're doing on social media? Um, Twitter is R-I-P underscore Q-U-A-N-5. Instagram is R-I-P underscore Q-U-A-N-12. All right. Well, appreciate you uh, joining us, Zep. Good luck in Columbia this weekend, and hopefully we uh, are talking to you next week about a, a win or two here over the next week or so. Thank you. All right, and that was Zep Jasper on Tiger Takes. Tiger Takes is proudly presented each Thursday at 530 by Osabrook Law Group on the web also at osolaw.com. 
We thank Osbrook Law Group for their support of Tiger Takes on the drive. We need to get to our final break. When we come back, I guess we can we can talk a little bit about uh, this this Auburn South Carolina game because uh, Jack and I won't be able to talk about it until after it finishes on Saturday. So we might as well wrap it up with some thoughts about that. Jack, we will see you on the other side here on the drive. Now more of the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Final segment of The Drive here on the Thursday edition of The Drive. Carter Bird filling in for uh, Bill Cameron, joined by uh, a good buddy and after the game co-host uh, Jack Hudden. And we uh, just got off the phone with Zepp Jasper talking to him about the big win at LSU and the upcoming game against South Carolina. Um, and I figured, Jack, we, we might as well wrap up the show talking about this Auburn-South Carolina game because uh, I won't see you Actually, that's not even true. I'll see you on on the line tomorrow. I forgot about that. Definitely but. so. Very quickly, and I, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I, w- I want to give a quick shout-out uh, to the Auburn High School basketball teams. They're going to be playing Central tomorrow night. And uh, the Auburn High men have started the season 19-2. and That is the best start since the turn of the century. They have not started that well. Even Bingo. in the year they won the state championship back in 2005. Big, uh, big props to those guys. Looking forward to that one tomorrow night. Yeah, Jacob and I do Lee Scott basketball as well. He's actually doing that right now uh, while we are in here in the Auburn Network studio. I think they don't, their only loss is to a team from Georgia as they have handled business this season. So uh, good luck to Lee Scott Academy tonight as they uh, have another game. And I think they have a game tomorrow as well when you're going to be doing uh, Auburn High as yep. well. But uh, let's let's talk about this Auburn South Carolina game because the percentages would tell you Auburn's got a really high chance to win this game. I think the ESPN matchup predictor uh, has Auburn with a ninety two point eight percent chance to win. Ken Palm gives Auburn an eighty nine percent chance to win with a projected score of seventy two fifty eight. Uh, but we've seen South Carolina really struggle to defend home court. Do we see that happening again in this one, Jack? I think we do. I, I think Auburn's playing well as of late. I think they've they've gone on the road now and proven that they can get it done against teams that are. I think we can say. I, I think this is an, an inferior, um, an inferior South Carolina team to Auburn. I agree. Um, looking down the list, just some of the main names that you'll hear from Carolina. You got Gregory Jackson, uh, Mitchie Johnson, and then Hayden Brown. Those guys, well, I mean, you got Chico Carter. Um, those four guys are averaging double figures. And so I think that their main scoring production comes from those four guys because you look down Absolutely. from there and nobody is above six points a game. So yeah. I think that South Carolina is very heavily dependent on four guys to really get things done. And if they can't, there's not a whole lot of production behind that. So Auburn, I think the main thing, shut down that first lineup and kind of be able to play with the second team. I think Auburn's depth wins out in this one, and uh, I think wins out pretty big. Yeah, I think it'll be a game uh, where we see Auburn kind of do what they did in the second half where they distance themselves from LSU, but we see that over 40 minutes where, um, I mean, I expect Auburn to have 
around a 15-point lead at halftime and just build on that in the second half because I think they're just that much better of a team than South Carolina. South Carolina on the year is 6-3 and three at home, uh, 0-3 at home in conference play, losing by 43 to Tennessee, 41 to Texas A&M, and 12 to Ole Miss. Uh, their wins at home this year, I want you to let me know, Jack, when one of these does not sound like uh, the others. South Carolina State, South Carolina Upstate, um, Presbyterian, Western Kentucky, Eastern Michigan, and Clemson. Oh, like, my god! Clemson that's dominating the ACC. Clemson that I believe, is, are they still undefeated in the <laughs> no, ACC? No, they, they, they finally dropped a game to Wake Forest. But that's how right. about that? South, this South Carolina team that is pretty clearly the worst team in the SEC has a home win versus the team right now that I'm still pretty sure is sitting in first place in the ACC in Clemson. Mm-hmm. That's just wild to me. Right outside of them, I think, to, I believe, Miami is the other team that's in the middle of there. Well, you, you've got a nod bunch, from of Drew teams, bunch of teams tied at 6-2, and two, including <laughs> Wake, Virginia, Pitt, and Miami are all at 6-2. and two, But it's Clemson standing alone at 7-1 and one in conference play in the ACC. But tell you what. South Carolina gets the bragging rights, I guess, because they got that they got that victory this year. That is two and zero for South Carolina against Clemson Athletics this year. In the last count, no, I guess year, in, yeah. in, the, in the big three sports, if you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. But to to bring it back to this Auburn South Carolina game, look, I don't think I don't think Jalen Williams is going to be stopped right now. I think that he's on a tear. Um, I think this is a game where you could see Janai Broom start to produce at the level that we're expecting him, that we yeah. were expecting him to before. I was going to say that. Um, South Carolina, I don't think really is going to be able to handle that on the inside. I mean, you do have Gregory Jackson, who's 6'9, 215. Janai Broom uh, outmeasures him in height, and then I think he's going to be able to score around him. Jackson has been much more of an offensive threat for South Carolina. Um, if you want to call him that. And I think that uh, un- underneath, I think Janai Broom can kind of assert himself in this one and and start to get back on track. I'm not saying he plays, but do we see Chris Moore dress out in Columbia? He traveled Wouldn't to doubt. Baton Rouge. Yeah. It feels like, to me, the, the more logical... Uh, first game back would be that Texas A&M game, a home game against a better team. You should be able to handle this South Carolina team without him, especially after what you just showed in Baton Rouge and the way that Zepp was just talking about how focused this team is going to be and how prepared they're going to be for South Carolina. I don't think you need him. I don't think there's any need to rush him back, especially when you're getting solid production out of Leo Berman. Definitely. that was well, that, And I think that's the example where you look at and you go, Auburn fans would not have expected that when the season started for Chris Moore to come out with an injury and Leor Berman to be the guy to replace what half of his minutes maybe more um, yep. so it's going to be interesting I think Chris Moore coming back would give Auburn a little bit of a shot in the arm against South Carolina but like you said I don't think they need it um, maybe he gets five or six minutes to get him back in the flow but we'll see I, I think right like you said the more likely is Texas A&M yeah uh, well I think that's going to do it for us here today on the drive Filling in for Bill Cameron, I'm Carter Bird. Filling in for Dan Peck, that is Jack Hudden. We appreciate you tuning in with us. It's been.